and welcome to Reliving My Youth, the show where we look back at pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noel Fogelman. The English Beat was one of the most influential bands of the early 80s. Their music fused punk rock, soul, reggae, and ska. The band consisted of six members, half of which were black, something that was rare back then. My guest today is Dave Wakeling, who is the lead singer of the Beat. They released three albums before breaking up in 1983. Dave and Rankin Roger went on to form General Public, while Andy Cox and David Steele went on to join Fine Young Cannibals. I had a chance to chat with Dave at the City Winery in New York where his version of the beat performed for two nights back in March. Dave was such a super nice guy, we covered a ton of different topics. His version of the beat is releasing their first album in over 30 years called Here We Go Love. Here's my conversation with Dave. And helping me live my youth today is none other than Dave Wakeling. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Yeah, so this is my first in-person interview. Usually I do these like over the phone, so I know all the, all the accolades you've had in your career. This has to be right up there. It's got to be one of them. You know? <laughs> I can't remember the first time, I, last time I did a first personal. Right. You know? Switch your phone off, have you? In case it rings. Oh, yeah, it's off. It's off. Right. Yeah. So you've made all the preparations. Oh, yeah. You're looking great, by the way. Oh, thank you. I know you. it's podcast, but... Yeah, so um, City Winery, we're you know, recording this in New York. It's the second night of your uh, tour here. You guys tour all the time. How, how do you keep it fresh? It's been connected to this new record we've been making, which we've just finished. And so we would go on tour for a month, and then I would go in the studio for a month. Right. We did that for the last couple of years. And what you learned on the road, you would 
bring back and try and put that into the song. And listening to the tapes that you had, you could go, there's something wrong, I'm not sure what it is, but after a couple of weeks of listening, you go, oh, there it is. And you could correct that little bit there or move it in a different direction. And um, it was like slowly uh, making Lego or something <laughs> like that, you know, built up slowly and slowly and slowly. Uh, which was great, a, a great way to make a record. Uh, normally you have to make loads of snap decisions, half of which are genius and the other half you wished you hadn't. <laughs> but now we managed to uh, keep all the good ones <laughs> and then listen back for a month on all the other ones and get right. rid of them. So uh, that kept it fresh because we were putting the songs into the set, gathering what information we could, then back in the studio and playing songs that um, the band don't really know, right. which is always <laughs> one way of keeping it yeah. fresh. You're sweating behind the ears and um, mixing it up so that new songs would follow on, hopefully, right on the back of a hit, like Tenderness or something, right. so you get the yeah. crowd going mad and then drop a new one, one. in, yeah. <laughs> whilst everybody's still happy. <laughs> See if you can get away with it, you know. Right. But I imagine, like, your fans who have been, like, starving for a new album for you guys for over 30 years must love, like, you know, when you play a new song. Yes, they enjoy it, but then again, of course, they've become familiar over 30 years and right. that's what they like and that's what yeah. they've come for and they might want to hear a new record but they don't want too many new songs at a concert right. there's a sense of uh, reliving youth yeah. there is a sense of familiarity and comfort right. of knowing what to expect which we all thought we did when we were younger we knew we thought we knew what was coming yeah. <laughs> that was the one thing we had in common right. we all thought we knew what was coming and we were all totally wrong <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly now speaking of, of your youth um what was like your musical influences growing up and when did you like first like learn to play guitar about the age of 12 really uh i'd like 60s pop english pop radio singles yeah. and then all of a sudden um, I'd got an acoustic guitar and it was the only thing for me really that uh, that moved me emotionally as much as swimming had. I was a big mm. swimmer, okay. enjoyed my swimming, competition swimming and you'd get very wound up, very adrenalised, hyped up, like a racehorse who's mm. about to have a nosebleed. <laughs> and, um, and music was the only other thing that made me tingle as much right. as that. And, uh, and, and it ended up taking over from yeah. it, really. The training was better. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when growing up in Birmingham, was, like, ska pretty, like, big there? Not really. It was yeah. a kind of niche with uh, the football fans, okay. soccer fans. Right. Uh, in white society, it was played... Uh, at house parties by Jamaican immigrants and it's played quite mm. loud so you could hear it in the street mm. but um, growing up in the 70s it was really only at, on the terraces at soccer games used to hear it mm. it was for sedating the skinheads <laughs> stop and fighting you right, know? Right, yeah. and then um, it seemed to work mm. that sensuous sinuous beat mm. uh, 
that was my first introduction to it, and uh, around the same time, probably as uh, Jimmy Cliff and uh, songs like that were starting. To, oh, thank you. Start to uh, become more popular in England. Uh, England in the 70s was kind of grey, okay. uh, you know, I mean, in every possible sense of the word, it was right. kind of grey. And so, a, a, a flash of Caribbean mm -hmm. colour right. uh, in music was a real jolt. Yeah. Whoa, what, right. whoa, <laughs> I could taste a pineapple yeah. out of nowhere, what was that, right. you know? Uh, and it was kind of seductive. Now, at the same time, Birmingham, where I was from, was very uh, much the epicenter of um, heavy metal. Okay. So Led Zeppelin, Black right. Sabbath, okay. Judas Priest, all those sorts of bands. All those sorts of bands. Um, late 60s, early 70s, Black right. Country Rock. So I was kind of Hawkwind when we were seeing them. I was kind of caught between the two really. Yeah. I'd got mod skinhead mates right. and I'd got what were going to turn out to be Grebo rocker yeah. mates. So for a while when I was swimming you had to have your head shaved yeah. anyway. Yeah. So w when you were with your mod skinhead friends you could pretend that was on purpose <laughs> yeah. and you got a pass right. with your greaser rocker friends right. because yeah. you were a jock. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's a jock or a cancer victim so <laughs> Nobody picked on you for that, so I sort of. But it was a fine line. You had yeah. to really watch your step. Right. So you were good both ways step. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I rocked both ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the the original beat was so like diverse, both like racially and like you know with age uh, and sex. Yes. It was, you know, sex was my age. Right. And you know, the other guys were you and Andrew were. <coughs> were the same age, correct? Yeah, Rod, it was 16 when he started, so wow. there was um, 52 year, or 42 year yeah. span. Wow, yeah. Um, we never had many peer group arguments, because it was hard to get a peer yeah. group together, you know, <laughs> yeah. which was good in a way. Yeah. UB40 seemed to have a lot more peer group right. arguments, because they're all at school cool. together. Yeah. But when one of us had a very different opinion from somebody else, it was like, well... I suppose, you know, different colour, 30 years yeah. apart, but on the different side of the world, stands a chance, might think differently yeah. <laughs> about things. Right. So, uh, but actually, we thought along similar lines way yeah. more often than, than not. Um, but there wasn't that pressure to have the peer group. Like, Somebody's just thought something different. Well, blow well, me down. No, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a shocker. Yeah. Now then, with... When you guys first started performing, and you know, there's six guys, half of them are black, half of them are white. What was like the audience like reaction to that? Different in different parts of the country. Okay. In England, in Birmingham, where we're from, Motown, Detroit, yeah. really, nobody noticed. Nobody yeah. said yeah. a bloody word. Yeah. Nor did we, actually, because we hadn't really thought about it. Wasn't right? a conscious thing anyway. Yeah. And um, when we went to London, then we played a show. And a big bunch of skinheads, big bunch and big skinheads, yeah. is there? Oh God! Oh no! Here they come! Oh God! That's it. We're at, we're done. Right. We're done for. This yeah. is it. You know, tonight's the night we die. And they said, "Oh, black geezers and white geezers on stage playing together. I like that. 
when there's no escape, really. This is just the way the world goes. They had an unfair advantage. It started to run out. Rather than say, wow, we've just got a free ride for the last 200, 300 years, start moaning about it. It's not fair. (laughs) It's not fair. I thought I I was meant to get more than everybody else. I'm meant to be more equal. (laughs) (laughs) But you do feel for them. And, you know, especially people who don't look much beyond their own circumstances or their own neighbourhood and they see it diminishing and they don't understand it and they see loads of other people coming in from the rest of the world, well it must be them then, eh? No. No, it's not them at all. (laughs) Uh, It's not them at all. It's the way money moves. And um, I just saw something on them. But all the money made last year, uh, 80% of it went to the top 1%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, e- even when we're doing well, wow. it's, it's not getting shared about. Right. It's going to uh, the top echelons yeah. of people. Right. And uh, that pro- can probably not be sustainable mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. People are going to get cheesed off, aren't they? Yeah. You know, it's, um, we shall see. The world has got a lot better and looks like it's got a lot worse all at the same time really just in the last couple of years you know it's um uh everybody thought it was getting post-racial not really but getting there and um but things didn't work out that well often Mm. and now two years later and voices are a bit more free to speak their mind shit their poisons Uh, you can see why Obama got nowhere because now the resistance to him is way more vocal those were the people who wanted to undo everybody's shoelaces and trip you up he was going around the corner going see I knew it would work and it wasn't because he was black well it turns out it was Was. (laughs) we knew that (laughs) exactly you have like you know president for eight years you're always going to get the direct opposite right after you know you you usually don't have continuity you yeah. know, you know, you had Ronald Reagan for eight yes. years. You had Bush, which only lasted four years. But then you had Bill Clinton. Yeah. So it's yeah. like the the climate's never really, you know, a this straight line. This is quite different, though, isn't it? Yeah, this is quite different. You you don't know, and maybe this is the conscious part of it already. It's a bit difficult for the world to know how seriously it can ever take an American government again, because what right. if it that difference yeah. is like somebody's going to come in in four years right. time say the exact opposite again yeah it's like you guys are like yo-yos <laughs> right you know time my nuclear weapon to you lot so yeah. uh, but now i don't know with the stuff that's going on i'm not sure how many americans are ever going to take it seriously ever again and that's yeah. more serious because right. if america doesn't start taking its own political system very seriously then probably the rest of the world is doomed just by default just by the backwash or whatever mess we make it or just soak everybody else the rest of the world is sitting back eating popcorn just watching this whole you know train wreck and but you know lots of things have got better lots of things Mm -hmm. have got better Um, you don't necessarily have to get beaten to death for beating gay now you right, can yeah. marry who you like and have arguments and there'll soon be a gay divorce court tv series right, yeah. which i look forward to <laughs> and um you can smoke pot most places right. you know without having your life ruined uh 
growing up as a teenager, those things would have seemed impossible. Yeah. You know, that would never happen, right. you know? And although it seems as though the world's on fire, the, the fact the murder rate is going down and goes down every year, and the literacy rate goes up and goes up for uh, yeah. women in particular. Right. So there's almost uh, literacy um, equality now right. around the world. So on all the things that really kind of matter, it's we've got much, much better. But in our local politics, it's a real test now. It's a real test. Uh, we're going to have to watch our steps, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're going to really have to watch our steps because they couldn't create a lot of mess. It'd be very hard to clean up afterwards, you know. And we're all going to be left in the same boat. Right. You know. The end of the joke about who's going to pay for the wall? <laughs> well, the working class is going to pay the for the wall. The same people who paid for and built every other fucking the, wall in the right. history of the world. <laughs> and then line up quite happily and lean over the wall and fight to the death over it. Right. If asked to. Yeah. Those are the people who pay for the wall. All the rest of it's nonsense. Yeah. We know that. Right. We've seen enough walls. We know yeah. walls. Right. Um, I mean, it would seem... You were talking about the Reagan 80s, yeah. and that was sort of our, my youth. Um, there was an optimism that... I would imagine there was an optimism about the American dream mm. there that, you know, yeah. if you wanted to, right. you could more or less yeah. have what sort of company you wanted. Right. Depending on how many hours a day you wanted to work, that's how wealthy yeah. you could probably be, you know? I don't think that's true now for people mm. in the same uh, situation. Whether it was true then or not, I don't know, whether they were just bending the rules mm. of capitalism that right. was already straining. Yeah. Uh, and now it's it's sort of coming undone, really. They don't seem to be able to make it work. Uh, it might have run its course, who knows? I'm not sure. But there seems to be more goodwill and more educated people willing to work together than ever before. At the same time, there seems to be more noise from people who want to write in block capitals and can't spell as mm. one of the main two rules right. of joining their club. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, yeah. And you, it's hard. To, when people get scared, they'll do, yeah. they'll do crazy stuff, yeah. won't they? You know, and if they start moving as a herd, yeah. uh, they'll, sheeple will do really yeah. weird things. We've seen it time and after in history. And when people feel like their uh, cultural identity yeah. even is being right. um, threatened. Yeah then you can get them to do all sort of monstrous things. things yeah. I mean, we've had that, you know, last summer, the previous, last few summers with, with the police shootings and then the Trump, you know, running, they had a lot of those white supremacist groups. And it's that with the, with the uh, gun violence in marches, they had all this, you know, peaceful pro protests. It's a hard sell, isn't it, white supremacy? Yeah. Oh, I mean, God. I know. I agree, but then we, you... We, never, we don't never send our best agents either. It's like, no. We would send better salesmen in there. You right, know, yeah. Right? It's like snail tooth. Yeah. Uh, it seems a bit of an odd idea, really. And our America's the, the proof uh, that we're better, right. better off together. Yeah. Uh, that's what made the difference. That's why America did so much better, that it had got so many different types of people right. integrated into its system. Yeah. 
Is that why you uh, decided to stay here? I think it was, to be honest. I, I, um, it was more exciting to me than England, where there was only white people, Caribbean people, and then Indian and Pakistani people. Now there's more. But at the time, when I would come to America, it was like, wow. It, it excited me. Not only did it excite me, what excited me was that they managed to get on, most of them. You know, yeah. grandparents from all over the world, parents from all over right. the country, and everybody more or less managed to get to work and get back, and it kind of yeah. worked. Right. I thought it was ever so grown up. <laughs> but of course the news, you know, blood sells, so you only yeah, hear course. about the people who mm -hmm. don't get home, the yeah. ones who got murdered right. or the ones whose car got hit. Yeah. But 99% of the time, 99% of the people mm -hmm. get there, even the ones who can't read manage to drive there and back. <laughs> it's remarkable. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not gridlock, it's a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> but no um, <laughs> you could get disappointed. I. I suppose everybody's youth is idealistic. Right. Uh, we did see things that were wrong. Uh, this endless state of war did seem mm. useless. Um, but you would have thought, and I think a lot of people involved in the hippie revolution and the punk revolution, and I got to see a bit of both, you would have thought we were going to leave a better world for this for the next generation than yeah. we have. And I don't know how many other people uh, in, at my age and my position are starting to feel a sense of that. Right. That after a lot of big talk and big advertising, mm. ups a daisy, <laughs> uh, it's worse than mum and dad left it. Right, yeah. Not better. Even though we thought that their notions were so ridiculous. Right. And uh, so whether that's to do with our own mistakes or the fact that so many of them, not me, were loaded at the time they were trying to solve the world's problems, yeah. <laughs> who knows, that could have had something to do with right. it. Or maybe some of these systems that we're working yeah. under are just outdated and they don't right. really work very well anymore yeah. and they should keep shoring them up with loans and right. it doesn't seem like it works to me. Not that I'd know how to make it work, but uh, something don't look like it's working. Yeah. and. Um, Sometimes you think, well, working people are not required now. Automation has mm. decimated the workforce. If they're going to have factories in Michigan making something, it's probably going to be military, right. and it's probably going to be robots building it. Yeah. You know, right. um, there's not going to be trackfuls of people putting no. panels on tanks anytime soon. So it may be that the working class is just being killed off. It could be a culling. It's more obvious in England where they've just slashed health benefits for elderly mm -hmm. and all of a sudden loads of old people right. are dying right. much earlier than expected, right. but they don't know why. why? <laughs> it's just out the blow. Cool. Um, it seems, seems like it's on purpose right. to me. Uh, if you look at people who did manual labour and you see the attacks on them, it sort of corresponds and it corresponds right. in England. So I think the squeeze is on. It's like your services are no longer required. Yeah. Could you hurry up and die because we need the space? Yeah.
I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Sometimes I think, well, don't be so ridiculous, Dave. That would never be the case. But time after time after time, mm. you look at policies being instituted, and if you were to say, well, if you wanted to silently kill off the working class without ever admitting it, mm. what policies would you use? And you right. go, well, those ones that yeah. they're doing. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'd do. They're working just fine. <laughs> so... It's hard to tell, I don't know. And maybe, is that how people, mm. is that how they work? Is that how they operate? They go, well, this is how many people we're going to have in 50 years' time. This is how much grub there is going to be. Yeah. This is how many workers we need. And we've got to get rid of all this lot, else we're going to have too many mouths and not yeah. enough processed food to give them. Yeah. I don't know. Is that how they work? Uh, yeah. Is that what social engineering does? Right. But... It does appear that whole tracts of society are being given up on and uh, being made ready for obsolescence. Right. Kind rather of like than a... trained up for anything. Yeah. Unless it's scrapping, right. fighting. You could probably get a job fighting. Fight. Right. For a society Wrong. that doesn't care about, about them. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty much, you know. Key now in, in America with their you know the military. Well, you would hope for back. better, wouldn't you? You would you hope know? so, yeah. You would hope for better. Um, America has been such an inspiration to so many people around the world, and um, and it's a shame to see people let down, right. whose hopes were built up. Yeah, you know, other people take the Statue of Liberty seriously yeah. <laughs> even if we don't, don't anymore right. exactly. other people imagine looking at that and going <sighs> symbol of hope you know the hope and yeah. freedom right. and human dignity yeah. all those sorts of nebulous things right. promised by the yeah. e pluribus unum <laughs> notion what happened yeah. to that no gone and yet how did it end up with the world's strongest darling E pluribus unum. Yeah. Socialism in action. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, life's that lie on is really. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. No. In some ways, nice to relive our years. In some ways, I'm glad that I'm not going to live another 50 years to find out. Yeah, right. Some, well, that's a bit mean. Yeah. But uh, some of it doesn't bode that well. No, no this current path, you know, it's, it's scary. It's. I want to say exciting, but it's certainly, you know, fascinating to see. I suppose these midterm elections this year will tell us a great deal yeah. about the American psyche because everybody's nerves have been definitely rattled. Right. And a lot of consciences have been pricked. And uh, a lot of people have had to think about their role as Americans in terms of America still being the leading country somewhat in the yeah. world. Uh, and their responsibility, right. not as the world's policeman, but mm. as kind of the world's leader. You know, yeah. that's you get to be Miss World. You have to go by the rules, don't yeah. you? You know, and uh, we shall see. I don't know is that um, that some of the Democrats are, are much better, but I think something's going to happen where the voice of the people can be a little bit more heard. Right. You'd think that everybody's got a safe full of guns. Only 22% mm. of people own guns. Right. They just got bigger mouths. 
the scout room. Yeah. It makes pocket. it sound like. Yeah. And even of those percentages, is the, the people who've got rooms full of guns. They're right. the, the people who send the numbers up into the millions. A right. fraction, a very small number of quite yeah. disturbed people, really. If you yeah. need that much protection, you yeah. Know. And, and that much protection against your own government, oh, right. then you're probably living yeah. in the wrong country. I know, totally. I mean, I'm I'm for the Second Amendment, in which you know I'm totally for sure. people having 18th century weapons in the house. Yeah. You know, I mean, because that's fine. Get your muskets. Right. Protect your family. You don't need an arsenal to protect your family. Yeah. No. No, you don't. Uh, it's more to do with mental health, isn't it? Really, yeah. insecurities. Right. And, um, I don't really buy the. Um, I'm for the Second Amendment as well. I've actually, I actually think it's made America a politer place. Mm. It, it, much more polite than England mm. is. You don't have to worry about people holding you up with a knife or right. nutting you as yeah. you come out of the <laughs> bar here because they right. think they'll get shot if they yeah. try it. So right. you, you, there's more sir and ma'am, people hold doors open. Yeah. There's generally more civil, I think. Uh, but assault weapons or those sorts of high velocity where even if you just wing somebody it, it yeah. causes that much damage that right. it takes them out of the battlefield yeah. equation uh, there isn't really a need for that no. they're, they're not much good for killing animals with and uh, they're only for hacking people to bits with yeah. in uh, you would say military situations and I have a couple of friends who are that way inclined, but I'm like, if the army singled you out, right, that's the next yeah. one we're going to go and get. I said, right. me and you would be putting our fresh new camos out the dryer right. on, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. on the street and go up. Said, right. Do you ever see the film of Waco? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if the government ever wants to choose to take you on, you know, yeah. I'm not betting on you. No, not, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. if we're all armed, I was like, yeah, they no, just still. they just kill the first ten of you and tell the rest of you to put your guns down, yeah. and you would. would absolutely. Please. It's a nonsense. I mean, that's yeah. the fallacy. That's the bits I don't get. So, those guns are really no good for protecting you in the house, yeah. and they're no good for protecting you against your government. Right. Not at all. That, that's just. So if those are the two best reasons, it's not a really a very good reason, no. are they, you know? Um, arming teachers. No. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> my, my wife's a kindergarten teacher, and, you know, there's no way in hell that she would pick up a gun. Policemen aren't paid enough to carry a gun. No. What about teachers? Yeah, it, it, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, exactly. You know, and if they want to have an armed policeman at schools, that, that's totally fine. You're not arming a teacher. You're not arming a 50-year-old right. woman, or you know, <coughs> no matter how old, someone you know who's nervous to teach kids, let alone you know, yeah, shaking your hand to so fire a gun. Uh, just this last week, a lad runs into the gun uh, school with a handgun, right? right? Shoots a girl that yeah. probably had some sort of romantic right. affair with. I think somebody else got injured, and then some uh, rescue emergency officer sure. yeah. took the kid on, shot him, and he right. was dead as well. That's a victory. Yeah, that, that's as good as it can. Yeah, that, that's right. that's when it works. There's only yeah. two and a half dead, right? At, in school, yeah, I know. It's got to be better than that. That's a victory. Be. Yeah. So I know. It's, yeah, it's, 
it's sad. It really is. I mean, I, I live 20 minutes from where Sandy Hook took place. Oh, yes. And yes, we've had people that yeah. from close by there at shows. Right. And that was probably the most striking because of the age of the children made yeah. it all the more spooky, didn't right. it? You know. Uh, but nothing changed after that. And hopefully now with all these kids from Florida who are about to turn, you know, voting age, they'll make a difference and they'll... Hopefully. I, mean, I think it will. I think it will, but there's also mm. world forces at play, isn't there? And sometimes yeah. the country will be going along nicely, but then stuff happens that makes the country change course. And you don't know how much of that is on purpose right. or how much of it's by design to get yeah. people to respond in a certain way. I mean... They, I, I thought I thought it was meant to be the fake news. It's always been <laughs> fake news. Yeah. They wouldn't bother putting on a show unless they were trying to convince you of their point of view. Right. They never just give you the facts. Nobody's yeah. going to bother doing that. Right. It's funny you mention that because, like, I I worked in TV news. I worked at uh, Al Jazeera America. Oh yeah, for like three years. When they stopped that now. They it? stopped it. Yeah. Why was that? Uh, Two Arabs earning a name, was it? Well, you know what's pretty funny? Yeah, that, <laughs> that totally and... Algebra. We hate that people well. are just... You should stop teaching algebra. Yeah, oh, God. Oh, my God. Yeah, my, son, my son's doing that now, and it's like, I can't help you at all. But they blew... That was a guy, wasn't it, as well? Al Algebra. Yeah, right. Algebra. Yeah. That was a person, that was. Right. They were run by the Qatari government. Oh, was they? Yes. Yeah, and basically they blew $2 billion in three years. Wow. Yeah, and they... It's just, a great channel. I, yeah, and it was enjoyable. Quite balanced. It was balanced. Quite balanced. Yeah, they just reported the news. Yeah. After the network shut down, I worked at Fox News for a little while. Really? Talk about you know the other end of the spectrum. Half the people there don't believe the bullshit that they no. put up. You know, they just have to kind of laugh Go it on. off and you know. And, and Especially on the local like, ones. Do you yeah. work on the Fox local affiliates? Or no, no, local? the Fox News with uh, Hannity and all those characters. Yeah, that was for a little bit. It started off it, as a joke, didn't it? I always yeah. thought he was an odd bod, though. Uh, what's his name, the Australian? Uh, Murdoch. Rupert oh, Murdoch. Rupert, yeah. A song on the Beats second record, Cheated, mm-hmm. that was about Rupert Murdoch. Okay. When he, he owned the, the Sun and he bought the Sunday Times, it was like, oh, that's... Mm-hmm. That's, that's the end of it. And he yeah. started to buy British institutions right. now. And he'd made his money off having women with their tits out on page three. You yeah. Know. Torn to pieces by three hamburger bars 
In some ways, a similar character to Trump, I think. Similar, yeah. Bigger Murdoch, kind of, you know, brassy, coarse. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I empathise with them. I, if I, I'm like them without the money, really. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have enough money to be gauche. Yeah. But they, and what also is remarkable about them is they act like nouveau riche Russian oligarchs, don't they? Yeah. You know, like taste slightly tasteless, more money right. than fashion yeah. tips. Uh, I stayed at the Trump Hotel in Chicago. I could hardly okay. stop laughing a few years ago. It's right. so gross. Yeah. You're like, oh no! Yeah. I bet somebody thought this was really, really posh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to say and no then, to him, you know. <laughs> uh, it's mm. funny that, uh, and that's taking over the cabinet now. Yeah, it would appear. We shall see. Yeah, uh, so I just wrote these songs over the last few years, and they're coming out this year, and they've all come true. Yeah. It's like all the lyrics have become even more pertinent than they were, and you yeah. could tell something was coming down the pike yeah. for a while. The fact that Obama had as much trouble as he did yeah. getting nowhere sometimes. That the world seemed to be moving in the opposite direction mm. in some ways. Um, could tell that stuff wasn't sorted. So I'm quite excited now. The songs are going to come out uh, starting in about ten days. I think the sing okay. first single comes out in England. That's uh, here, here we go, love, right? The other that's the album. Here yeah. we go, love, and the single, how can you stand there? Um, that comes out in England uh, next week, I think, and. Um, and then it's going to be sort of non-stop doing concerts and radio interviews right. and trying to link together our, the most perfect pop record ever made in the history <laughs> of the world, believe me, yeah. uh, um, with this dysfunctional world we find right. ourselves in. <laughs> My worst nightmare is it's going yeah. to go number one, mm. but then there's going to be a nuclear war and I'm going to realise I'm never yeah. going to get paid a penny on it. Right. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Yeah. Now, 
Speaking of some of your other records, especially these artists, like, was it a fantastic album? And that was, like, bigger than Thriller, right, in your country? Well, in terms of the number of hit singles, we had seven hit singles off it. The last one came three years later when the group split up, Can't Get Used to Losing You. Right. So that was really good. They're rushing the chorus for me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's Sasha's song, but it's. Yeah. Uh... How is the new band? You guys been together a couple of years now, right? Uh, we're just working in a new drummer. Okay. This is only his third week. A new bass player. So we just changed the rhythm section out. But the bass player had played for me before. Okay. So he knows the songs a bit more. Right. He knows my style. And not as easy as it looks. It turns out right. they're quite simple songs. Yeah. The chords aren't very difficult, but there's a lot of dynamics, so it gets louder and louder no, and louder and louder. And it gets quieter and quieter. Right. And it goes like. So it's more like trying to tell a story but with the same right. three chords. Right. But if you just try and play through it, yeah. you, can, uh, you can miss it. Yeah. Uh, so it's, they've been learning sort of the endless uh, vagaries of the yeah. dynamics of it. I remember um, there was a show on VH1, Bands Reunited, mm. and they, you know, they remember they, they tried to get you guys on. That's when VH1 was actually watchable, and they actually had you know music and stuff like that. Yes, they ended up not doing much music, did yeah, they? Yeah, not not after that. Uh, you were one of the few bands that, unfortunately, they couldn't you know completely reunite the whole bands. <coughs> well, they had gear there, yeah, and they had a bass set up. Roger wanted to be a bass player. And I said to me, I said, you play the bass. Yeah. He went, oh, nutty. Right. Take those instruments down, I was, I'm not doing any more interview. He got all right. weird. Right. What I was about. But he wouldn't do it anyway. Yeah. To know it's a love-hate thing, really. He loves my songs and then acts like he hates me. <laughs> 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 when was the last time you spoke to him? We, we spoke quite often, actually. We spoke okay. when last time I was in England, right. went and had a cup of tea. Yeah. It was lovely. We got on very well. Uh, his manager, who... I know very well, but mm. we don't get on too well. Right. His manager thinks it's good sport to try and get one over me and okay. play advantage to Roger. Yeah. And it, it creates tension between me and Roger that's yeah. untoward, really. Right. Uh, which I've mentioned to Roger. It's a bit... Um, it's like we're the love and unity guys. Mm-hmm. Come on, everybody, love yeah, and unity. unity. Right. Well, apart from each other. As it, it do as be, I say, not as I do. It would right? be yeah. embarrassing if anybody notices, Roger. Right. It's like, we want the whole world to come together except us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I keep inviting him, and he right. keeps saying he wants to, and then he keep, he keeps doesn't. He doesn't. I think his manager stops him, really. Right. And so I think there's a chance that he might want to do something next year. Who okay. knows? It might be too late by then. Who knows? Right. But it's... Um, the 40th anniversary. Mm. I don't know if a 40. Yeah. They do 40th anniversaries because nobody thinks everybody's going <laughs> to live long enough longer. for 50. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so. And then Just every year, case, 41, 42. Yeah, the 42th anniversary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Six of them are still alive. Five, yeah. I know. Yeah. It's like these books, everybody's doing a book. I said, I'll wait till they're all dead, dead. and I'll tell you the truth. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so like, what about the other uh, band members? Yeah, I know like they didn't get like Andy and David. So and it gets on quite well at the moment. Okay, that's um, A number of reasons, I think. Uh, the, the beat has gone down in history as having 
had done something of quality right. and it didn't go on too long that it turned out to be rubbish in the end and everybody feels kind of proud about that and I mm-hmm. think everybody now would meet people for the first time oh you're yeah. in the beat yeah. oh even right. if they don't know the music yeah. and don't particularly like music but right. it, 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 that was a threshold oh right. they're a credible group not quite the clash <laughs> but close yeah close enough you know right. so that seems to have soothed everybody and uh, the songs have continued to get used in films and, right yeah uh, they've had a longevity which I think has satisfied people and money's continued to roll in not so much but enough and um, so it seems kind of calm not too much arguing um, and probably incipient Alzheimer's I think that's one of the things you can't remember right. I mean I just remember I was right but I don't remember I why I was so angry about yeah. it now. Right. <laughs> but I think everybody felt that way yeah. uh, I was talking to Andy about it uh, when I was in England and I, I said it, it, it wasn't I was trying to be disagreeable I just it never occurred to me that yeah. anybody else could have a different opinion right. I was just so sure of myself yeah. why would anybody else think differently if they were they were clearly You're wrong, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so then like general public forming you know Ro- I know Rogers mentioned that he kind of regretted you know leaving the band and kind of going with you to form general public yeah, no, anyway, the wind blows, really. Uh, I think that's based on the premise that mm. if he'd have stayed there, he would have suddenly become Roland Gift and would have made as much money as Roland Gift. Right. If you carefully read the interviews, yeah. I think it's that he thinks he, he lost out on millions of dollars. Right. But that doesn't take into account that he's yeah. not Roland Gift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. it doesn't take into account that yeah. he didn't make millions of dollars Dollar. afterwards by Mark. himself either. Right. Which is probably more to do with this, but I would say better right. <laughs> to say that you just regretted leaving general and <laughs> leaving the beat. Uh, yeah. The beat were done at the time anyway. It wasn't right. um, some of the band wanted two years off, and they took two yeah. years off in between that and the Cannibals. Right. And um, me and Roger had got kids just started. I had insisted it was a socialist endeavour. Okay. I'd got no money for two years off. Right. And, uh, and he didn't um, take long to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then when Fine Young Cannibals got more famous than general public, <laughs> then he started to regret oh, right. it. Could I have my each way bet back now? Yeah. No, that's yeah. the whole point. Cause, yeah, because you guys went like basically right to it. And when the cannibals kind of came out you guys kind of were like fading yeah yeah so right. it, yeah. he really didn't pay much mind to that while you know the iron was hot but then you mentioned like you know different movie soundtracks you a bunch of john Hughes stuff you know, she's having a baby i mean you know first bueller that, that great scene
having our first child at about the same time so we talked about that quite a bit and um, and he made that film um, She's Having a Baby it was um, at our sort of mutual experiences in there a bit um, he'd wanted to be a musician he said not that he didn't want to make films he wanted to do music uh, and seemed kind of jealous of people who did although we were completely jealous of him because he got to do films um, I didn't know why he'd stopped making films. I, I never understood. Right, because I mean, his, his films were, were like so epic, and he just stopped. He, he made a, a nice, run. gentle point with you know, them. Yeah. Behind what was happening in the film, you were right. left with a certain moral yeah. sense. And he always used music to supplement yeah, that. He did. And. Um, and he was masterful at it, so I don't know why he stopped, right. I'm not sure. Um, I suppose the pressures of Hollywood and the double-guessing that could go on, now he was a success, right. perhaps making films wasn't as much fun for him yeah. when you've got marketing meetings changing the way the film should right. go and what's the demographic. Yeah. I know when she's having a baby, it was... We ended up doing the song a couple of times because right. all of a sudden, oh, the demograph shifted. <laughs> we're not singing to them anymore. Right. We're singing to this bunch but, over yeah. here. <laughs> oh, sorry, didn't know. Right. Uh, maybe that did him in. He never told me anything about it. We were friends and then drifted apart and they never heard anything more from him until yeah. I heard that he died in the park. Yeah. Which was, uh, 
romantic, but not I'm sure what anybody was expecting. No, and definitely uh, way too young. Uh, so your career kind of transcended my family, probably three different generations. So not to make you old at all, but you know, my mom, big Smokey Robinson fan, well, you know, yeah. she would take me to concerts. Yeah. My first concert, Smokey Robinson. Yeah. So, you know, your version of Tears of Clown oh, was, was brilliant because you guys made it your own. Have you ever heard like any feedback from him? Yes, I got to meet him once. He told me he liked it. Gave me a hug. Right. A hug from Smokey well, Robinson. Yeah. Uh, not many a young singer gets that that you'd, right. you'd dream of that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, he was. Yeah, he was very gracious about it. Um, it's more and more you see people bringing their kids to shows right. and they say oh they really like it and it, sometimes they're smaller kids yeah. sometimes they're grown up in their 20s you know right. and more or less they were strapped in the car listening to mm. it had no choice right. um, but seem to genuinely like it which right. is nice uh, and uh, I don't go for that all that uh, oh the mu all the music today nowadays is rubbish yeah. Because that's what they always say. They always say that, yeah. I think they say that about our music as well as I remember. <laughs> and bef music before that as yeah. well. So I'm not sure if that's true. It's probably not. But um, 
I'm glad that our songs seem to get more plays on the radio than they used to even back in the day. And it's a wider array of songs, mm. not just the ones that were pushed as the singles. Right. And, um, and, and people that I've admired as artists from ever before I ever was in a group and just mm. dreamt of being in a group mm. have covered the songs yeah. and got them on the radio as right. well. So uh, it's, it's, it's still like a dream come true. true. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, save it for later. I mean, you know, like Pearl Jam has that in their set list every night, know. you know, right after Better I Man. sometimes do a bit of Better Man.
wife, and now it's 20, I was together 24 years, married, uh, right. 16, uh, almost uh, 17, I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, yeah. Our first movie we saw together, ironically enough, was Threesome. Oh, cool. <laughs> Where my mind was, I guess, and you know, I'll I'll take you get there yes. with general, you know, public that was a heck cover. of a movie. Yeah, heck of a try there. Yeah, exactly. You know, they really tried. Right. I, ironically, just you know, it was what we you know. That's funny. Yeah, it just happened to see, but yeah, it was just pretty Those funny. First dates thing. Often stuff like that happens. Um, my, uh, I've got two kids now, twenty two, twenty five coming and um, the first date I took their mom up to was at the Greek theatre for reggae sunsplash okay. row one wow nice you know yeah like, exactly. uh, yeah <laughs> waited till the few acts had already gone and we right. walked in and it was yellow man okay. performing and we just managed to get to our seats whilst he was singing his favourite Give me vagina, yellow <laughs> vagina, black vagina, white vagina. Give me vagina. Get on my. Yeah. What's, what's he saying? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. fan for years. Ah, brilliant. Yeah, I mean... Well, I'm more of a Scooby-Doo than a Beat fan. I was you know, a Scooby-Doo fan long before, right. long afterwards. And that, like, cartoons transcended, you know, because it's... At, people think of, say, the Flintstones. My kids don't really know the Flintstones, but now right. Scooby-Doo's been around for 50 years. Everyone knows Scooby-Doo. Yes. And you guys, you know, had it, a great song uh, It ended up being event. played, like... Um, that show got played three times in Brazil that year. It was, right. like, the, the favourite show in yeah. Brazil. So it really made some Scooby-Doo history, which I was thrilled of. You had to do it all in a day, which was okay, but they you know, pushed you and prodded you, which wasn't so good. And uh, I think I was quite grumpy to work with, but I got it done anyway. Yeah. And uh, But I didn't get offered a, another job, job, I noticed. I didn't get called back on right. that one. 
but uh, yeah. which was a shame because I, I thought I'd uh, took yeah. the brief that they give me and encapsulated yeah. it well. In fact, it would have worked even better. What they they didn't realise, they edited between the two songs to show yeah. the battle. But the way the two songs had been written, if you edited the one song over the other two beats back, they yeah. lined up and made right. this whole different tune. So okay. I, I said you could you could make a mashup by having yeah. the songs run at the same time. But I don't think they fully understood, right. so they kept editing between right. the two. Anyway, it worked very well, and um, it, it, I mean it's an honour to have. You've got your John Hughes's, you've got your John Cusacks, yeah. your John yeah. whatever. But Scooby Doo, that's a different, yeah. whole different. Yeah. You know, game. you made it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's your zine. The Harlem Globetrotter, you know, yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, and I had a Scooby Doo blanket there right. uh, in the booth when I was doing yeah. the vocals. <laughs> Took it very seriously. Right. And um, yeah, that was a real honour. Uh, really, I was. I was glad to get that job, but that, that yeah. it turned out as well as yeah. it did. That was fantastic. Mind you, they pay you nothing, right. they own the songs, and they yeah. treat you like a slave all the way through. So it, that was a bit shattering. Right. You yeah. know, not so wonderful working <laughs> under the Scooby yoke. Yeah. <laughs> Don't meet your heroes, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He was all right, but those Warner Brothers types, they were. And I'd right. been with Warner Brothers for yeah. years and years. I was like, God, I'm one of you lot. I was like, yeah. I don't know what I'd be like right. if I was a foreigner or a stranger. Yeah, right. I'm from the Warner Brothers camp. Uh, You're getting treated like this. Yeah. They're dreadful. But I think all the budgets are all scrimped and saved. And right. They weren't. They wanted a battle of the bands, two live bands. When we came in the studio with instruments, they said, Haven't you done all the music? Yeah. Well, like, listen back with the bands. Well, most people do that on the computer yeah. nowadays before yeah. they come in. Yeah. So you've just got to sing it. And I said, but you said you want a live battle of the, the band, band. So yeah. these are the weapons: drums, yeah. bass, guitars, keyboards. Huff right. <laughs> 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 me. Yeah. Yeah, that was quite tricky. Yeah, and then uh, last question for you: um, You guys opened up for David Bowie. Yeah. And you know. God will rest his soul. You know, one of the one of the greats. You have any memorable stories about touring with him? Um, he said he was the best opening band he'd ever had, and that from the moment the night before, and from the moment he went on stage, the whole crowd just went Oof, like this. In it, and he had the whole crowd in his hand right from the very first song, and uh, and would we come on tour to America with him? And um, and I sounded like I'd got a a tennis ball in there. I went, oh, 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 which he probably heard quite a lot back in the day, right. but I, I'd never made that noise myself. <laughs> and uh, I, I couldn't answer. Um, and he brought us some beer to the dressing room, yeah. some red striped beer. And he gave us a, a really lovely write up uh, a quote to use for the best of record. So it turned out to quite a, a fan mm. liked what we'd done. And uh, and he'd been a hero um, with Honky Dory long, yeah. long before he was big and famous. You right. know, I'd been a fan, uh, so um, that was nice to get to meet him yeah. and uh, and him say that he liked what you did. Yeah. The same as with Pearl Jam or right. with um, Pete Townsend. You know, uh, yeah. I'm a boy, I'm a boy, right. I won't admit it. Finally, and yeah. he's playing your song Tom. 40 yeah. years later. It's crazy. Crazy, so that that sort of thing, 
is really more valuable than anything else. Mm. Although it's hard sometimes to explain that bit to the bank manager. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you the Pete Townsend story again. Yeah. See if that changes yeah, the but, figures, Emmy. No, right. no, still same. looking about the same. Yeah. No? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you the time I met Scooby Doo, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Scooby Doo, Pete Townsend, a yeah. couple of the blokes from <laughs> Pearl Jam. Jam, right. exactly. No, sorry, no, not, sorry. Still not shifting. Yeah. Still seven point eight. So yeah, no. so. All right, back out on the road, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. But, Crank but, up the engine. We're going tears of a clown. <laughs> but Dave, thank you so much for this. This was great. and uh, oh, My pleasure. And a special thanks to Dave for joining us today. You can follow the band on Twitter at English Beat. Go check out their website, EnglishBeat.net. You can follow me on Twitter at the first Noel 19 Be sure to like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. You can go to iTunes, check out past episodes, and while you're there, please rate and review the show. A special thanks to everyone who's listening. I can't do it without you guys. And be on the lookout for another episode of Living My Youth real soon.